for the week of November 8th, 2021. This is Bad Batch TV Talk from Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars The Bad Batch Disney Plus episode. Today, we are reviewing the third episode of the first season of The Bad Batch Replacements, in which the Batch and Omega crash land on a desolate moon, leaving them stranded until they can replace the capacitor. But before they can secure their replacement, a moon dragon steals it, providing it another hurdle for the Batch. Dave, what did you think of this episode? Just another great episode uh, we had going on here. Absolutely. I mean, you got a power sucking dragon on a moon. You've got uh, an exciting crash and you've got, you, you know, some some soldiering going on. Yeah, there was a great mix of like a lot of throwbacks. But at the same time, there was enough new there that made it really interesting. And we got to see once again, this show do an amazing job trying to sh- like show the the growing pains of this new empire that is bringing together and figuring out what to do with the clones versus enlistees and all that. So I really enjoyed just that aspect of the show. And I thought that it was a whole lot of fun. Oh, right. You said the last time we recorded uh, for last week's episode that this is your first time through uh, the third episode. So this is all new to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was just a lot of fun kind of experiencing all that. And I've been, you know, in the dark on the whole thing. I haven't listened to any reviews. I haven't read any reviews of the show because I knew that eventually we'd get back to this and I wanted to be completely fresh in it. So it's been a whole lot of fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you've been having a great time watching these, these through for the first time. You, it, there's, there's always something when you come back to something you enjoyed, you, you enjoy coming back to it, but you can never quite get that first time through feel again. And uh, that does take away a little bit from doing something, doing a show like this, but not much. It's still fun. Absolutely fun. Because you get to go back and, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Or you can see details that you didn't see before. Right. And no better way to prepare for the Book of Boba Fett than oh, yeah. to go back and watch some uh, Star Wars content. But let's go ahead and dive into this. So we have immediately kind of the um, specifically Grand Moff Tarkin deciding what to do with Crosshair. So this is like the first... Um, really deep dialogue that we're getting into with, you know, what do we do with the clones? And obviously we know the end of that story, but we don't know how it exactly got there. And so we have Tarkin that, of course, is running tests, making sure that this um, enhanced clone isn't like his, you know, quote-unquote brothers, the rest of the Bad Batch who defied the orders and didn't follow him. Um, And then we have this new character, Vice Admiral Rampart, who believes that... It's the enlistees who are the future that will serve the Empire the best because they're volunteering and they're not being forced in there like these program clones. Yeah, and he's right, absolutely. As you get a mix there with this squad, there's a mix right away. It looks like it's going to play one way and then plays out totally differently. I mean, you have people, they're coming in, I don't want to be... I don't want to be examined. I'm, I'm here. I'm a soldier. I'm, I'm not a lab experiment, basically, type feel with these guys. Some of them going, well, the war is over. Who are we going to fight? And you get you get this idea that everyone's coming in from, they're pulling from all over the galaxy, and which is what Rampart himself said. These are the elite soldiers from all over the galaxy. We're going to see what they can do with some clone training behind them. Right. And we have kind of 
the two leaders that really worked together pretty well for um, uh, at least from Tarkin's perspective, because we've seen him not work so well with leaders in Rogue yeah. One. Um, but we see him, he's like, okay, you know what? Yeah, we'll test it. We'll figure out what's best for the Empire. Um, I don't know if he tries to take credit for the transition later on. That's something I'm still new on, so we'll see how it's going. But right now, I don't trust Tarkin and Rampart will continue this best friend relationship, and I believe it won't end well for Rampart. But I'm not entirely sure of that. But I did like that they decided to make Crosshair this leader of these enlistees to go on this mission. And so it's basically like, all right, let's see who performs better. Will this new clone? Because again, Crosshair, they dialed his, um, you know, his inhibitor chip up to 11. Um, And so Tarkin's like, let's see how well he does versus these enlistees. Um, And so just really interesting stuff. We see that kind of the, uh, uh, the people of Camino really struggle with this transition because they're like, oh, we have to make sure that these clones are effective. Otherwise, the economics of this thing might go down negatively. Yeah, their whole economy is based on cloning. They're 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 going away if this doesn't if they don't if they don't keep this. If the Empire turns them. Well, there goes your there goes your big contract. I can yeah, totally see that from economics. Yeah, and this is something from like Legends lore where we haven't really seen what happens to. Camino. I mean, of course, we get hints of like the Mandalorian, where the Doctor is kind of wearing the uh, the Camino seal mm-hmm. um, from the cloners, but we don't know how it really ends. So I'm really looking forward to see um, how this all goes down. Um, hopefully, we get more of that from this show, and then and um, some of the live action stuff. Who knows what they can uh, can do with all the different shows that are coming out through Disney Plus? I mean, what a time to be a Star oh, yeah. Wars fan. Absolutely. Well, one of the first throwbacks we kind of get in this episode is, of course, the crew, the Bad Batch. They crash land on this moon. It's really dark. They can't see very well. There's not really oxygen there that they can uh, that they can breathe in. And so this is obviously kind of a throwback to The Empire Strikes Back and where they get out of the ship. And they're like, hey, something's messing around with the ship that we can't see. There's something lurking in the darkness. So it gives us like kind of like 80s space yeah. horror vibe but at the same time this throwback to empire strikes back where of course the falcon is um attacked by this uh dark moon animal yeah i definitely both times through with through this episode got that whole empire strikes back han going what's what's wrong with this picture outside the falcon and then i half expected i knew i knew it wasn't going to happen but i half expected either tech or echo to fire at the ground mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just, just, I have expected it. I knew it wouldn't happen, but it was there. I was waiting for it. Yeah. And it's one of those things where with Filoni, he always likes to throw these, you know, throwbacks in there. And, um, of course, we've seen it time and time again throughout Star Wars, even with the, uh, I got a bad feeling about this type mm-hmm. of thing, which we, you know, get that callback in the prior episode and, you know, all this kind of fun stuff. Um, but, Kind of the new mixed with the old is, of course, this crew and then Omega, which if you're watching this for the first time, we don't really have a big feel for who Omega is. I mean, we know that she's a clone, that she's got something going on, that she's viewed as an enhanced because, of course, um, she's having a different worldview um, mm-hmm. similar to the other um, Bad Batch clones. And so we get her and kind of this father-daughter relationship with hunter 
and they have to go and track down this moon dragon that has stolen um, you know, their their part that they need to get off this planet or this moon. And it's kind of funny because you get Omega asking like the, the typical like child questions like, why are we doing this? What's this mean? What does this mean? And Hunter just kind of politely answering the question, but he would really prefer that she would, you know, shut up so that they can track down this space animal. No, absolutely. Um, I don't know if they've actually set an age for Omega, but that, that particular scene reminds me so much of my eight-year-old son asking me questions about what's going on and where things are done. It's very well done for the, the person voice acting Omega. Like she, she hit it out of the park on that for sure. So I don't I don't know if I haven't really looked it up to see if uh, you know it's a child actor doing it, but if it's not, she flawless reminded me of an eight year old. Um, yeah, and but that, yeah, that kind of feels right. Age, yeah, that feels like the right age because we have, of course, um, I don't know if Daniel Logan was eight when he played Boba Fett in the Attack of the Clones, but you know that character felt like you know an eight to. 10 Eight to old. ten, yeah. But we have another thing that's kind of the narrative here, and I have a feeling that this is just setting up for the tragedy that Star Wars um, is in the fact that there's this character that you're kind of hoping wins out, which is Crosshair, and, you know, mm-hmm. the Bad Batch, they're kind of remorseful and, and sad that Crosshair is, of course, you know, not one of them anymore, and Omega's kind of there as well, like, hey, it's not really him, it's the inhibitor chip, right? like, we... If we can help him out, we can, you know, of course, take it out. We could do all this stuff. So I feel like this is kind of a setup for a tragic end for Crosshair, possibly at the hands of the Batch. But again, that's me speculating. Um, I haven't seen it. But knowing how Star Wars does it, that seems like a pretty... Um, uh, yeah, it's a reasonable assumption guess. to make. We've seen it in, uh, more than once. Um, now, we do see Crosshair very similar to kind of the the character of Anakin when he's going bad, like we're rooting Mm -hmm. for Anakin and we have that heartbreak for Anakin, but he's doing some really terrible stuff. And of course this is crosshair when the team of elites go to eliminate Saw Gerrera's team. Um, And of course this is Tarkin's, you know, grand plan of we will truly see how crosshair does if he's faced with the same mission and follows through with it as his brothers. And, um, you know, they get there, and they're ready to, you know, do the classic, let's uh, Empire-style execute these um, these civilians who are unarmed, that have surrendered. And, um, you know, there's a soldier that is failing to comply. And Crosshair, of course, eliminates this soldier and kind of causes these other, um, you know, I'm going to call them the... The new stormtrooper, or I guess the original stormtroopers, to comply, and so we get kind of the first like sinister act that we see of these stormtroopers here with Crosshair, and I thought that was just a fun little tidbit there. Yeah, and this this had to happen in order to cement Crosshair's um, turn to the dark side, as as it were, to continue the metaphor, um, but. It came from from an unexpected place for me both times I watched this, even though I knew it was coming. Um, because the soldier that questioned and was going to take the civilians in was also the soldier that was saying, hey, you're not going to be in charge forever. Yep. So I didn't see that coming the first time through. It was one of those where I was going, wow, I was expecting like uh, one of the ones in the back going, okay, well, you know, I'm who, who are we going to fight? And I was figuring one of them for the, hey, let's just take the civilians and put them Put them in, in chains, take them in. They're like they're not fighters, obviously. 
So it was it was interesting to see. Here's here's the uh, here's the soldier who will do whatever it takes versus the soldier who wants to be the leader who wants to do the right thing. And uh, it gave a nice nice little uh, foil for Crosshair's uh, transition. Yeah, and it kind of gives you this. Uh, I don't know if Filoni intentionally did this kind of teasing us with the classic, you know, Kevin Smith like Luke um, murdering all the people on the Death Star who are just these soldiers who enlisted right. and they don't really know what they signed up for. And so it's kind of like we get that that is definitely a possibility that not all these stormtroopers are brutal. Um, they just didn't get faced with crosshair and their time of failure of compliance. And so, uh, you know, again, another tidbit, maybe I'm looking too much into that, but it was just kind of a nice little, like, maybe Filoni's, you know, teasing us around a bit because we yeah. know that Filoni is all knowing and Filoni does things very intentionally and thinks through things. He's not just doing things on a whim. No, absolutely not. And, you know, this this episode does a good job, you know, kind of bouncing back and forth between these characters. It's obviously still establishing Crosshair as a main character and someone that we are meant to follow. Um, and so, you know, every other scene is between Crosshair and then, of course, um, the Batch trying to get off this moon and so while the batch isn't necessarily doing anything of importance to the storyline it's just kind of showing again their growth and specifically the growth of omega here which whenever this episode first started i was like oh this is gonna be you know mission of the week type of uh filler episode but it really turned into something that we see more life coming from Omega and this character gaining some more layers. So, of course, we get Hunter who's, you know, attacked by this moon dragon and his, uh, you know, his oxygen is, you know, knocked off of him. And so we have the oxygen being knocked off and then the uh, Omega assisting this unconscious uh, Hunter and then continuing to track down this, uh, this dragon. And so she kind of goes through this process where she tracks it down to... You know, of course, it's a little cave and encounters it and finds that it's possibly not at all violent. And so she kind of sees that it's, you know, not attacking her and she's moving the light around and does this classic like kid thing. But the biggest thing that I've learned from this is that she's not so willing to kill, even if she thinks that her life is online, which adds definitely that because um, there was I knew that there was speculation around this character that she might be a little bit more sinister Um whenever they first introduced her, but now it's looking like maybe, I don't know, maybe they're setting us up for a tragic ending with Omega. Maybe she's this, you know, this evolved good clone. That is a distinct possibility. And just just to say it with foresight, I don't even know how they're ending this arc yet. So there's still lots to come on it. As we do know, there's more more coming, but it's going to be an interesting, she's going to definitely be an interesting character to follow there's because there's, there's lots to explore there. Um, she's got her, her enhanced abilities to herself that she doesn't quite understand. Like she like in the very first episode, she picked up a blaster and, and beat the, beat the marksman. Yep. She learned how to track in like 10 minutes. Like there's something more going on there. Yeah. And maybe this is the great play whenever. Um, so of course we have the, uh, and Owens who are talking like basically they need to find their enhanced and I think they're talking about Omega here I think they have developed this all you know this super clone that is all evolving and that's constantly evolving and that can adapt very similarly that certain droids could and so I think that that is what they're really talking about finding here and we like you said she outbeat the 
the marksman. She learned how to track faster and possibly more effectively than Hunter did, and then adapted to her surroundings to the point that she interpreted that this dragon isn't violent and was able to understand what it wanted. And so it's, you know, this adaptability, and obviously Omega was very close to uh, the the Kaminoans and in terms of that she wasn't really allowed to leave their side and interact with others. She was just kind of there in the background and always following them around. So that's kind of my take, uh, you know, three episodes in. But, you know, they obviously want her back. And so I think that's probably going to be part of the story for the Bad Batch in the future. Um, and then, again, setting us up for, you know, some tugging on the heartstrings, the Bad Batch give Omega her own room. And this is kind of a sweet moment where we get, you know, she's finally feeling like she's at home for the first time. She's never experienced this before. And so, again, kind of supporting my prior argument. Um, and so just like a nice, sweet little thing that went down. Yeah. It, it, what drove it home there for, for that particular scene is the clone that did it. It was Wrecker, the one that likes to blow things up. He's the one that put the put the room in order and lit it up and, and did all put all the touches in there. He's the one who uh, gave her the room, basically, and that uh, that couldn't have, that scene couldn't have been that good if it wasn't him. It had to right. be him, otherwise it wouldn't have worked right. Yeah, I mean, you have this kind of big dumb dumb that likes to smash things, and now he's showing you know these you know very uh, emotional side of him where he's you know just I just want to smash things and I want to make big booms and I like all this violence. He's basically Drax in the Star Wars yes. universe, and so you know, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, this this added a whole different layer to it. And of course it appears that she gets the only bedroom with a view. And yeah. so that's like another thing on top of it where it's like, Oh, they gave her the best room in the house. Like she gets the master bedroom, you know, uh, this beautiful picture of adoption there. Um, but we have this episode ending with Tarkin understanding that clones at least have a temporary purpose. And he's eager to figure that out. And he's eager to, of course, in my opinion, take the credit for whatever happens. So if it's a failure, I'm sure he'll figure out a way to pin it on someone else. And then if it's a success, he'll figure out a way to take credit. Um, you know, a lot of fun stuff. And I'm really hoping, because I doubt that Vader got a scene in season one, but I'm really hoping when they bring back the Bad Batch that we get, you know, maybe some encounters with Tarkin trying to take credit, to, uh, you know, to the Emperor himself or if we get some Vader involvement in Bad Batch, that's that's my hope. That would be very nice to see. Like whether or not it happens in season two, don't know. But your 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 assumption is correct. There is no Vader through season one, so that doesn't really give anything away. So uh, yeah, well, and then um, we got a you know a very nice uh, animation of Vader in true. The Clone Wars, the final episode, and so it's one of those things where it's like that takes a long time, and I doubt that the Lucasfilm animation company, they were like, oh, let's just do this for, you know, these 10 seconds that we're going to have them on screen. So I'm sure that they developed a lot of this stuff to, of course, flow over um, into the Bad Batch, and they have it there waiting for them. And, um, you know, they got some awesome voice actors who can portray that character very oh, yeah, well. Sure. And, uh, yeah, that's just a lot of crazy stuff happening. But Dave, what is your biggest takeaway from this episode? Well, uh, the biggest thing here for me is is just another another great great episode. Um, a lot of character development. That was a, a good thing for both this episode. No matter how you look at it, when you look at it, all the characters are following an arc, and they're not 
they're not being left behind any of them. Like if it's not an important to that person's particular character, they're not really involved. Like there wasn't much for record to do during this episode, but he still got development and, and whatnot. So they're developing the characters are looking to make this a lasting series. That's what I'm taking away from this. Well, while our listeners wait for us for our new episode next week, they can keep up with the show throughout the week on Twitter at star Wars TV talk. And by emailing us at hello at star Wars TV talk.com. You can find the rest of our shows online at StarWarsTVTalk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please do not forget to leave us a five-star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TVTalk.fm. Thank you so much for listening, and may the Force be with you, always.